I'm Mary Angela Abeo, and this is the Face to Faces podcast, a conversation series that provides a platform focusing on the LGBTQ and POC communities and their allies in the areas of activism, politics, mental health, arts and entertainment, and community. In this space, we discuss the human experience in our ever-changing world. My goal here is to remind you that while you may have moments where you feel isolated and alone, there is always an incredible community of people here that is safe. We all connect to people at our deepest pains and our greatest joys. And in this space, we're here for those moments and everything in between. I'm so glad you're here. Take a seat next to me. It's always open. Now, let's lean in. I am so excited to have my guest today, Audrey, who is the newest face in the Faces of Fortitude Project. Audrey is a photographer, a brilliant photographer, uh, a parent. And the reason Audrey is here is because she is also a suicide widow and suicide survivor. And that's, of course, where we've connected. So, Audrey, thanks for being so brave and being here, first of all. Again, thank you. Thank you for having me. I, I'm just, I'm super excited and I'm, I'm ready. And I think, you know, when we first connected, obviously, just when you reached out, I was just like, okay, okay, this time. <laughs> well, and I tell people anything under five years um, happening ago, you know, it, it's very fresh still. And so I wasn't sure if you were ready. And I'm just, I'm so happy because I know how healing it can be. Yeah. And um, so thanks for, for trusting me with that. Yeah, of course. First of all, I don't know how much research you've done or how much you know about my story, but I think it's really important when we create safe spaces for people to share something vulnerable about ourselves, just so we know that that person can hold it. Because yeah. I don't know about you, but suicide is so stigmatized in so many ways that I get really worried when people ask me, you know, oh, how'd your brother die? Or, oh, what is the memorial tattoo for? I always yes. kind of give a disclaimer now. I'm like, okay, do you just want a two sentence response or are you able to hold something? Because I can't right. handle that rejection right now. <laughs> yes. I feel like it's the same when people ask me, oh, how are you? And I'm like, do you really want to know? Or can I really share like how I'm feeling? Cause I don't know if you can handle it. You know, I feel right. like people say it out of, you know, politeness and, you know, I, I was guilty of it too. Like I've, I've definitely been that way. And not that I wasn't ready to hear what people had to say, but it's definitely a much bigger question to me now. Like I take it so much more seriously when somebody, when I ask somebody, how are you? I genuinely mean it, you know, because you know that now that, Yes. That question means so much different to someone, something so much different to someone who has lost somebody to suicide. Mm -hmm. Like, will I ever be okay again? Probably not. Yeah. Will I be able to find joy again? Will I be able to smile? Absolutely. Absolutely. At some point, but that doesn't mean I'm going to be okay because what happened is really shitty. So um, I lost my brother to suicide. You know, there's a picture of him right here. If you're watching the video. Um, And um, you know, I think that, when I decided to share my story, it was because I needed a space so badly. Um, and I didn't have it. I, I had it for like five minutes with most people, but most people yeah. that's about all of the trauma they can handle. And it's um, when we were talking offline, you were talking about feeling, um, feeling sad for that person that you were the day that that happened. And I look back and I think about 
who I was. Yeah. And you feel so you, the trauma that it causes. So I was overseas when it happened oh, man. and I, um, I don't know if you know this whole story. Um, I, um, my brother was going through a lot. He was struggling mentally. He was 26. He was at that age where a lot of people have their mental breaks if they're going to have one. And, um, so we were all kind of at a point where we were like, you know, he's just a lot. You got to have the capacity to talk to him when you talk to him. Like we've yeah. we had put up some boundaries because it seemed unhealthy, but he was still my brother, you know? And so yeah. I, um, I was going on vacation and I, I was going away with my family and I was flying through his city that day. And I was, you know, I was in Seattle, he was in Atlanta, but I was, I, my layover was in Atlanta and our layover was extended. And I had a friend traveling with us who said, doesn't your brother live here? You should reach out and see if he wants to have coffee. And Hi. it's, you know, it's, it's the statement in my head that will sit with me for the rest of my life, which was me saying, I'm going on vacation. I don't want to deal with this right now. Yeah. I'll call him on the way back. I have one of those too. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it, it, he killed himself six hours later. Could I have stopped it? What I've learned in therapy and over time now is maybe I could have prolonged it. Yeah. But the, the issue is so much deeper than any of that. Yeah. Um, but we, we had traveled overnight because we were going overseas. And so I woke up and well, we got to the hotel kind of groggy. We had traveled overnight. Ryan was in the shower, Maddie at 11 years old sitting next to me. And I get a text message because I told people, don't call me. It's too expensive. So I get a text message that says from my cousin, not, not even my sister, not anybody saying yeah. you need to call home. And I was like, what's going on? And they were like, just call. And then I texted my sister and I said, you know, cousin just texted me. What is happening that I have to actually fucking call? I don't understand. Yeah. And she said, it's Jimmy is all she said. And I was like, fuck. And that's all I remember. I remember hearing her on the phone. I remember her hearing, telling me he jumped out of the window of his office building. Oh. And I was like, what? And so what people don't realize is my brother emailed us the day I was leaving. He emailed my sister and I and said, I love you guys so much. My bags are packed. I'm so excited to come see you because he had tickets to come see us the next month. Um, just wanted to say hi. Love you guys. And I remember my sister texting me saying that's so randomly eventless <laughs> from him because usually it's like a lot. Yeah. So for him to text or email something, we were both like, and I just kind of said, I'm, I'm getting on a plane. Let's just leave this alone. Cause I'm so happy he's doing okay. And that he's excited yeah. to see us. And that was yeah. it. And what we didn't realize is he was in this process of come having this breakdown in his office. And, you know, I, I tell people it was a little bit like a Jackson Pollock scene in the way that he, something set him off as, in his email. That's all we can think of after he emailed us. Yeah. Um, cause the office building was totally empty and there was some paint and things that were happening on the side. And he kind of, he wrecked the entire office, um, paint and computer screen smashed and wrote things on the walls. It was, it was kind of epic. I hate yeah. to use that word, but it was kind of epic. Yeah. Um, and, um, 
Yeah. And he, he almost, the coroner who didn't know anything about him and his love for superheroes or anything said, if I wouldn't know better, it looked like he was trying to fly. And I knew, I knew, you know, he even protected his head. He put his shirt over his head. Like he was thinking about himself and um, about maybe what people would find, you know, and um, I spiraled, you know, when I found out, I kind of, all I remember is, (laughs) it's weird. I'm sure you have one of these. All I remember in that moment was the type of carpet I was looking at on the floor. That's all I could stare at. That's all I could focus on and how it smelled because it was, um, we were overseas. And so I felt like the, the food smelled different and everything smelled different. And I heard Maddie, but she sounded underwater. Yeah. And I, I just heard my daughter saying, mama, mama, are you okay? What happened? Yeah. And all I was able to say was my brother's name. And she said, is he gone at 11? Because she knew. How kids, kids know, you know, yeah. they just, they feel it. They feel it. And so, um, you know, that was my life of spiraling. I didn't go to therapy for two years still after that, because I thought I didn't need it. And, um, (laughs) you thought you think you're strong enough. Um, finally Ryan was like, you need to talk to somebody. And, um, I think the first thing with my therapist, I realized is when we started unpacking how immense this was, I needed somebody to tell me because, you know, the casseroles end after about six months, the people helping you with things end. And when that ends, that's when your grief starts. Yeah. When people stop, people think you need to be done. Yeah. And um, so uh, my therapist looked at me after we unpacked for about a month and she said, can we just give it a minute for a second? Like you survived an abusive parent. You survived your own very severe attack uh, uh, attempt. You survived the death of your brother. You are a better parent than you ever had. You are successful in what you do. You have a roof over your head. You're healthy. You're completing fucking sentences. You got dressed today. Right. If you guys can't (laughs) see Audrey right now, she just, we're getting like fist pumps. Like (sighs) we we are survivors. We are warriors. And it's very rare that we can connect with people and go this. I I won this. I survived. I did it. I'm doing it. So when I met you immediately, I was like, she has kids. Yeah. Kids. It's funny when we first connected, we connected on all powerful TikTok. Um, (laughs) all powerful. (laughs) Um, when we connected, when you were connecting to me in that live and told me um, what happened and then told me your wow. kids, I went to your, bi- I, I stalked the fuck out of you and I went to your bio and I went to all the things. And when I, re- not that this takes away from any other widow, but when yeah. I saw how old you were, when I saw your age, when I saw you were young, younger, I was like, oh, my heart, my heart. I knew how young your kids were. I knew all of that. And I was like, please universe, let this be because I need to befriend this person. Let us be friends. Let us connect because it's a club that none of us want to be part of. Yeah. It's a club that no one understands unless you're in there. Yeah. We don't want to be part of it, but we're so glad we're not alone there. We're yeah. so glad. <laughs> yeah. So, I remember, I remember being in that live and like, I remember seeing you like read, what I had put down and your face completely changed. And I was like, <gasps> she like read it. 
Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I, no, I'm no, no. Still... It's all right. No, no, no. It's okay. <laughs> you know, okay. <laughs> they read it and it's something I'm still learning. And, you know, but I saw that you read it and my heart kind of stopped. And then your reaction to it was just very like, what you said was like very much so we connected for a reason. I feel definitely like I'm supposed to help you. And that was the first time that I genuinely felt like somebody meant that. And I remember it was just like, Oh my gosh, like, thank you. You know, it's just, it was just kind of like a, a, I, I had this feeling of gratitude, just kind of like, not even, I mean, I didn't know anything about you. I'd seen your, your therapy, you know, Thursday mm-hmm. video. And I was like, it was the one about, you know, definitely being a better parent than your parent. And, you know, that hit me so hard because I grew up rough as hell too. Like uh, mm. my parents were really shitty too. And it definitely, you can go either way. You can be a shitty parent too, or you can be the opposite. And I've definitely worked, worked really hard to be the opposite, you know? So that hit me really, really hard. And I was like, I need to follow this person. I love, mm. I love what they talked about, you know? And, um, I don't know. I just, I remember it was just such a, such a welcoming feeling and I just felt very safe. That's, that's the, that's the biggest word that I could say is I felt safe, you know? And yeah. I'm so so glad. I'm so glad. I, I would love to dig into your story a little bit. I, like I told you offline, I did not go in. I saw that you had a, a post about it and I saw that you had shared some and I made the conscious effort to not read that because yeah. I think there's something really important about sharing your story first off. And, you know, like you heard some details about me that you had not heard before and yeah. things like that. And I think For that sure. there's, that's where we connect. And um, I was just talking to somebody last night about this, like, I don't really have time for, especially when something like this happens in your life, I don't really have the desire or the time to connect with someone on a surface level anymore. Same, same. I'm just kind of like, oh, you want to talk about the weather? Okay. Right. You know, I'll talk to you another day. <laughs> right. And it's right. just, it's hard, you know, because when you, when you go through something so deep, it's hard to not be a deep person yourself. You know, it's just, it's very hard to just kind of like, how are you? How are you doing? And like I said, like that question is just so, it's so loaded to me now. I'm like, don't ask me that if you don't mean it, you know? And so my circle, I'm sure yours has too. My circle has dwindled. I have a very small circle of people that I trust and my therapist is one of them. And, you know, I, I, I don't even share a lot of, you know, my vulnerabilities with my circle, um, just because I'm, I'm that much of a person that like, if, if I feel like we can't hold a conversation about what's really going on in each other's lives, then I, I have no room for it. You know, it's the same. And it just, I think it just comes with going through something as severe as what we've been through. You know, I I can't explain it any other way. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think that you can also see the depths of someone's ability to comprehend both grief and joy when you have conversations with them about that. Yes, absolutely. Cause I, I feel like if, if you can't handle grief in a certain way, like you're not able to receive joy fully, you know, and it's, it's, it comes hand in hand. You, you can't fully, you know, be content in your life if you haven't been through the fire and come out of it, just like so thankful to be out of the fire, you know? And it's just kind of, it's, it's funny. You just realize like who your people are um, when you, when you go through really hard stuff like this. Yeah. You also realize your resilience. Like I, 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 uh, every single widow I've talked to in this 
in this project. And there have been sadly many. Yeah. There is a level of fucking superhero energy because yeah. you don't, you don't get to grieve the same. We don't. You don't get the break. You don't nope. get that. You don't get to be open in your space all of the time. Just like you were telling me earlier, you were like, oh my, my I kids. Need, <laughs> yeah, I can't be around my kids in this topic right now, which yeah. is so important. Like, yeah, for their, their processing. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Cause they, they're still, I mean, they're 10 and eight and there's so much that they don't know because I know that they can't process it yet. I know that they're going to ask me questions later, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm 100% ready to be honest with them. Um, you know, and I remember when it first happened, um, I chose not to tell them what happened exactly. You know, I told them daddy had an accident at work and that was, that wasn't a light decision, you know, cause a lot mm -hmm. of people I know that they tell them, but I feel like, you know, your kids, you know, it's yes, different yes. for everybody. And, um, we had been through so much and I'll, I'll get into it in a minute, but we had been through so much already that I just didn't feel like my kids were in a place to process the fact that daddy had left completely, you know? Right. And it was his choosing. And um, so my son asked a couple questions. You know, he asked how. And I just, you know, I talked to my therapist. I talked to their therapist. I talked mm -hmm. to my grief counselors, everybody. And I was just like, I need I need to know. Should I tell them? Should I not tell them? You know, I don't mm -hmm. want to lie to them. But I also don't want to. They were in such a, a fragile state already because mm -hmm. of what we had been through. I don't want to break them more. And, um, so I, I, I was very honest with my son and I just told him, I was like, you know what, honey, I just don't think you're in a place to understand what happened. And when you're older and you ask me that question again, we can go through it. And he was just like, it's, it's, it was kind of like he knew too. Like he was just like, okay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and my counselors and everybody that I talk to, they say, you know, when, when, when they're ready to know and they're ready to process what really happened, they'll ask you. I'm like, okay. Hope's not for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and that's kind of what I yeah. mean around it is that because you are responsible for these two sweet little lives yes. and their hearts are so fragile, um, yours uh, is not always put in center like mm -hmm. that. And um, so I want you to know how inspiring it is to watch you smile and find your joy. And um as somebody who's been through it, I, I, I can't say that I get it exactly, but I can tell you that I know how hard that pain is yeah. to process in general. And on top of all of that, you know, um, have to be yeah. responsible and be, you know, I think uh, one of the widows that I, uh, Cassie, that I have interviewed in the past said, I am not a single parent. I am the only parent now. Very different. Yeah. I never thought about it that way, you know, cause I talk about single mom, this single mom, that yeah. Single mom. Wow. Um, yeah, oh, that you're, yeah you're, you're the, you're the only parent. Yeah. I'm the only one left. Like, and she was like, so people call me, Oh, you're a single mom or, Oh, you're, you know, uh, no, no, I'm not. It's different. Yeah. So, well, I would love to hear your story. I would love to know, you know, I love to talk to people. There are three points that I love to hit. I love to hit, you know, cause hindsight is 2020 for so many of us, especially mm -hmm. when we're dealing with suicide, we have those red flags that I should have listened to those, you know, a little bit of history on, on the struggle because most of us, and I'm, I'm, I use this 
qualifier because I know every situation is different, but most of us have trauma before the trauma of, you know, waiting for the call, worry, all of that, that we've, you know, watching someone struggle is almost as painful as the actual act itself. Um, And then um, the day of is really important to me for a few reasons. It's important because we don't always sit in that space where we are, but also what people remember on the day of, on the day of the memorial, on the day of funerals, things like that. Yeah. I've gotten some pretty amazing light bulb moments from people when they kind of unpack that. And then, you know, giving people hope because I don't want these episodes to be um, weights for people. I want people to understand how they can find hope on the other side of something like this. Yeah. So yeah, wherever you want to start for me, I am, I'm fascinated and I'm, I'm also just inspired by you. So um, the space, the space is for you. How, how, when did you two meet? Uh, We actually met in high school. We, um, so I was a sophomore and I, I'm from a small town. I'm originally from New Mexico, right outside of Roswell, New Mexico. Um, Little small town, Dexter, uh, probably no more than 4,000 people at the time. And so my high school was teeny tiny. And then um, I remember exactly the first time I saw him. Um, He's this California boy comes and he's just kind of like, he's got the spiked hair and he's like dressed all California. And we're like, he's not from here, you know? And and me, like my, the first thing I say to him, I'm like, can I call you Sonic? Cause your hair is spiked like Sonic. He's like, you can call me whatever you want. And I was like, Oh Lord. Oh God. (laughs) And so, um, you know, we started off just as friends. We didn't date in high school, but we were very flirty, very, you know, he was, he was always, we're both very charismatic, like peacocky people. Um, Mm, I know you're an Aries. So (laughs) yeah. So it was like, it was one of those things where, you know, we would talk and we would, you know, just kind of chat and be flirty. But I kind of always felt not that I was like any better, but I felt like I was like, uh, he's just not good news. I know it. I feel it in my soul, you know? <laughs> and so we never in high school, we never, you know, did anything. We didn't get together until after high school. Um, he had actually, he was an addict and he struggled with addiction from the age of 14. And so when we connected really was when he was coming out of a program called Teen Challenge. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of that. It's like a, it's a Christian, you know, drug rehab program. And he was, he was doing really well. And I, um, I had just started going back to church. I was probably like 18, maybe 18, 19. I don't remember. Um, but he was kind of like all about Jesus. And so was I, and he like, I remember he, he, my face me, did you ever have my face? <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Oh God we're he all... sent me, I guess he was on break and he sent me uh, a message on my space. I mean, it was just, it was who he was. And he's like, where have you been all my life? And I'm like, Aww. Oh God, here we go again. <laughs> you know, just knowing how he was. And so I like sent him my phone number and I'm like, I've been here, like call me whenever. And he called me and it just was from then, like we just mm. hit it off, you know? And then he got out of the program. We moved so fast. Like, I mean, we were talking for months because he was still in the program for a few months. Right. And me, super naive. I mean, I've smoked. I was a, I was a big time pothead when I was young, you know. Like, <laughs> but other than that, like I didn't do any heavy drugs. I had opportunities right. to. But I don't know. Some Somehow, some way. And I'm very thankful because my sister was a heavy drug, drug addict. Um, 
you know, I, I was in a bubble, I guess. And for some reason, I just never wanted to do anything more than marijuana. And um, so I didn't understand like the addiction, you know, I didn't understand that he was in a program for addiction. And so just kind of very naive there. So he got out of the program, we're all excited and we're like, oh, all love, you know, and um, we had been together for a few months, you know, just kind of long distance over the phone. And then he eventually came to visit, asked me to be his girlfriend. And within three months of that, we moved in together. And yeah, it was just, it was, you know, just young kids, just, naive young kids not knowing anything (laughs) um and then a year later we were engaged and then right after we got engaged we found out we were pregnant and um yeah and then we we wanted to be in California because we had a daughter already and so we moved to California right before um I was gonna have my son my son was due in January and I had him right after we moved I moved to California October and then I had him November so he was super early and that was like our first like big struggle as a as a newly married couple we got married and then we had the baby like right away and it was like it wasn't just like your normal like oh we had a baby it was like he's in the NICU and we're having we're having to be at the hospital every day so that was hard um and our 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 marriage pretty much was was very up and down very Mm -hmm. rough very hard very extreme in both ways like either extremely bad or extremely good it was never steady you know and um I don't know if you can hear my kids in the background they're playing video games like screaming there is that what that was I thought it was birds so I'm I'm good with either (laughs) that's funny um but yeah so it was just it was always tough you know and he he struggled we you know I didn't find out until we were heavily in counseling after he'd had a really big relapse right after my daughter was born in 2014. Mm -hmm. And, um, so his, his drug of choice was meth and he relapsed and it was, it was bad. He was a completely different person. He was, it was awful, awful to me, awful to to the kids. And it got to a point where I, I found out what was going on. Um, and I was like, you can't have that in the house. Like, I'm not going to get my kids taken away because you're making bad choices, you know? So I ended up you know, kicking him out and, you know, until you're clean, until you get your shit together, like you can't yeah. come back home, you know? And he did. He, he got it together. He started. It's so cute. Don't worry about it. Seriously. I, I like love it. On them. No, don't. It's so cute. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's so real life here. So it's, it's good. real life. This is mom life here. Um, but yeah, so he did, he, he got clean. And it was, it was a rough process and, um, he was doing a lot better and we had started going to a new church and, um, he was doing really, really good. He ended up working at the church that we were going to. Um, mm-hmm. so, I mean, like I said, he was, he was a, at his core, he was an amazing person. Um, he was just lovable. Like he had this huge heart, you know? And so we started volunteering, he started volunteering at the church and they wanted to bring him on, you know? And so they brought him on as uh, director of facilities. And so he took care of the campus, you know, he was, he was very handy. He liked the construction and stuff like that. So he, um, you know, and he worked there for <clears throat> about four years. And in 2017, he actually, um, and this is where our story kind of starts. And it's okay. really heavy and hard for me to talk about. 
2017, we had kind of started fighting a lot over this person that he was working very closely with. She was his boss <clears throat> at the church. And um, I was yeah, very I uncomfortable feel that with heaviness their friendship. already, yeah. Yeah, I, I was very uncomfortable with their friendship and it just, it, it just caused a ton of fights. And then, so that was summer that it started. And then throughout December, we were just constantly fighting about her. <clears throat> and uh, I remember very specifically this December 8th, we got into a very huge fight about her um, because he'd gone in on his day off, you know, and she happened to be there. They were working together on a Christmas project. And I was just like, you know how I feel about the whole thing. Like, I don't understand like why my feelings aren't being considered here. Like if it was the opposite, like you'd be going nuts, you know? And we just got into a huge fight. And he was like, you know what? I'm done. And I was like, you know what? I am too. I need space. And I ended up going out with a friend that night. And, um, you know, we, we've said that, we had said that to each other, you know, before this was 2017 and we had already been through so much, you know? And so we both kind of like, I was like, okay, we just need to take our space. We'll be okay. And no, he was very serious. He got very cold that month and he just wasn't talking to me. He wasn't anything. Started sleeping downstairs on the couch. And so me, I'm like, oh my gosh, my marriage is like, this is, this is serious. It's very serious. And, you know, I start feeling guilty for how I was. And, um, and so I bring up counseling. And so we went to our first couple sessions and the second session, you know, he decided to stop going. And, um, and so I kept going for myself. And then by mid January, um, he decided to move out. He walked out on the mm -hmm. kids and I, and he got in a room with a friend of his and he's still working at the church. Um, I'm still very much involved at the church. Um, you know, I was doing worship ministry and, uh, I was, I was, it was, it was the first time in our marriage. So living in California with him was very hard, like, because our relationship was so this way, it was hard for me to establish friends and make connections with people. And this was the first time that I was like settling into a place and making friends. And so, you know, we're both still very heavily involved in the church and, um, it was hard. It was hard to go through what we were going through. And there's such a stigma in church. I'm sure, you know, um, and it, it wasn't being brought up. So his, his dad, um, was executive pastor at the church. So he was number two in line. So, um, uh, you can, you can, I could definitely tell, you know, where this is going. <laughs> so it was a lot. And so it was like, everything was being brushed under the rug. Like nothing was being talked about. Like the church didn't bring us in to talk to us about like, like typically, like I would like to think that, you know, a church, it was a mega church, huge church, um, that they would have the resources. If somebody on staff is like struggling in their marriage, like bring them in, like right. what's going on? What should Isn't we that be talking about? Church is for? Yes. And so I just was like, nothing is being said. And so I'm talking to different pastors and our care pastors, people that I know and love dearly. And I, and they're just kind of like, you know, don't, don't make a big deal out of it. Don't. And I, I'm just, you know, at this point, I'm still going to counseling by myself. I'm, I'm honestly the best that I don't make a best. big deal about it. Like, sorry, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it was, it was hard. Oh. It was really hard. I did not feel supported at all 
in my church, you know, and, um, and it's funny, like she, I'd reached out to her and I asked her, I'm like, is there anything going on like between you and my husband? She's like, no, it's all purely professional. And like, good for, by the way, I admire that Aries energy. I admire that. I I just, I brought her back and I'm like, is there anything going on? And in her face, I could kind of tell as a wife, you just know, you just know, you know, like there's just, there's, you just know. And like, I remember her face. I remember the day that I asked her and I remember her face and I'm like, Oh, you're so full of shit right now. You know? And like, um, so, you know, she's, she's texting me regularly. I'm texting her regularly. Like I was, I was very much like, um, hardcore Jesus freak. I still am in a sense, but I'm processing a lot of anger through all of that, you know, and I'm finding my, my own, my, I'm, I'm just going through a journey where I'm finding myself completely all over again. You I know? mean, let me validate that for you for yeah. a minute. My entire view on spirituality and religion changed after my brother died because yeah. of how they deal with it. Yeah. How and it's just, it's suicide. sad. And it's like, it's like, it's not, you know, you read the Bible and, and that's not how, you know, stuff is supposed to be handled. And it's just, right. uh, I, I, I can't even get into it. But so, you know, I'm, I'm, I send her like encouraging messages and prayers and she's sending me encouraging messages and prayer. And like, I just, you know, it was kind of one of those things where as a wife, like I wasn't intentionally doing it because my heart was pure in it. I remember at the time, but kind of like keeping, keeping your enemies close. And I was just like, okay. And I, there were some times that I genuinely like believed her because she was so, she seemed so sincere and so genuine about it. Like that there was nothing going on and she was trying, it was just anyways. So it was hard coming back. (laughs) I get squirrely, but coming back, it was hard going through all of that and and being so involved in the church. You know, Um, I did not feel we were getting the support that we needed, but I was in a really healthy place. I was still going to counseling. Um, I was, I was working two jobs to pay, you know, the bills. I mean, I, I made him responsible for rent. I was like, no, you don't just get to walk out on us and do whatever you want. And then not pay bills. Like I was paying for everything else, groceries, pretty much everything. And, you know, so I, I just, I was in a really healthy place. So I wasn't like going after it. I just, I just, you know, I didn't care at this point what happened. Like there were times where I was just like, if you're going to serve me papers, can you at least like have somebody that I care about give them to me? Like, Mm. (laughs) you know, but then at the same time, you know, he had, he had walked out in January, but then when he walked out, there were times that he saw me doing good and we started working on our marriage at the same time. So he would come and help me with the kids while I was at work. Um, and then I got, I would get home and that was like our time. So he was at the house pretty much 90% of the time still, even though he was like moved out. Right. And um, so when we, when he was at the house, like we were getting to, it's so weird to think about it now, but like, the way that we worked on ourselves in our marriage, like during the affair, um, that was the first time that we had ever, you know, talked to each other like that. Like we would actually sit and talk and barbecue and hang out. And like, it was, it was really good. I think it was a lot of guilt that he was feeling like leaving his family. I don't know, but he was still seeing her at the same time. It was, it was difficult. So, you know, fast forward, eventually he sees how good I'm doing. I'm just, I, I, like I said, I'm at a point where if you're going to go, then go. Like I'm, yep. I don't need you like, except for financially, <laughs> 
other than that, you know, I want you, I want our marriage to work. I'm fighting like hell for our marriage. Absolutely. But you don't, I'm not forcing you to do anything. And so he ended up coming back home in July and, um, it was, it was, it was good, you know? And then we sat down and I was like, is there anything that I need to know? And he's like, there is. And I was like, I feel like I already, already know. And he was like, yeah. And he had actually made up a whole, a whole different girl at first. Um, and, but I was in such a healthy place. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to let it. I know he's going to tell me eventually. And like, um, I was just, I was in a place of where I genuinely wanted to save my marriage. And I was talking to my counselor. Okay. How do I approach this? And he helped me. And I just was soft and open. And I just, I tried to just be that space for him that was safe when he was ready. He would tell me, you know, and, um, and so we just had that conversation and he told me about an affair. He didn't tell me who it was. I mean, he told me about a person, but it wasn't a real person. And then, um, you know, he was, he was changing, you know, and then he sat down with me about two weeks later and he was like, okay. He's like, I'm trying to move forward. And he's like, and I feel like I can't unless I'm a hundred percent honest with you. And I'm like, I already know it's Heather. Like, right. you don't, I was like, I, I already knew. And, and he just like started sobbing and was like, I just want to do better. And I just, I, I need to come out with it at the church and um, all this stuff. So this was like, uh, it was a period of three weeks where he just like was like, oh, I need to tell the church. I need to tell the church because he was still working there. That was his job. And he was afraid. And they were working to, together. Yeah. And well, she had already, she had already been let go or asked to walk away. Actually, there's, there's so much tied yeah. into my story. Um, so she had already been um, asked to walk away because she had had an incident with the lead pastor months prior and she wanted to file sexual harassment against him. And they asked her to sign a non-disclosure agreement. This is all, I don't, I don't have any proof. This is just what Aaron told me. Um, they asked her to sign a non-disclosure and they paid her a pretty substantial amount of money to walk away from the church. Um, so she wasn't there at, at this time anymore. Um, and then right after, um, I remember it all made sense once I found that out because he, our lead pastor had taken like a leave of absence, a sabbatical um, during that time that the incident happened. And so he was gone for months and then he had just come back when Aaron was like, I need to come out with everything. I need to come out with everything. And so um, uh, there's so much. So Aaron, Aaron was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to ask for a meeting and I'm going to talk to, you know, staff about it. And so he called a meeting with leadership and um, Drew wasn't in there. That was the lead pastor. Um, I don't even know if I should be saying his name. I'm scared to get in trouble. <laughs> um, but at this point, I just don't care anymore. We don't, um, we don't know where. We don't know cities. We don't know the church. Don't worry. <laughs> right. I'm like, no, it's not slander. <laughs> but um, so he came out with it. And when the lead pastor found out, the lead pastor committed suicide the next day. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. So... Or he attempted suicide the next day and then passed away two days later after Aaron had come out. And so, but after the meeting and Drew, Drew found out, I lead pastor found out, 
um, he came to Aaron and he like verbally and almost physically attacked him. Like, how could you do this? Like, what is wrong with you? Blah, 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 blah. And like, you don't know how much you hurt me and this and that. And then just drove off like enraged. Like, and so there's, there's, I, I don't know for certain, but there's just so much around that where people are like, was there more to the story? You know, First of all, um, can I, can I, can I interrupt you? Because yeah. I don't know about you, but I hate that question. Mm-hmm. I hate it when people are like, well, were you guys fighting? Was there more to the story? Was there back history? Is that why they decided to kill themselves? I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. That's not any, what, will that clarify it for you? Will that make you feel better? <laughs> so, yes. I, by the way, remember, I'm sorry that anybody said that to you. It was just kind of like, you know, I put out my blog and I hadn't talked about this until I put out my blog. Um, I hadn't said anything. I hadn't mentioned it because, you know, there was a part of me, there's, there's a part of you still as a wife that wants to honor your husband. And not that I'm not, but at this point, I'm just being honest and, and transparent. Like I just, you know, and there was so much around what happened and the church was so big and there was just so many people involved that I just, I, I was honestly kind of afraid for a little bit to speak out about it because I was afraid of like the adversity that was going to come or like if for some reason they were going to come after me for slander. So in my blog, you'll notice I don't use names. I don't use the church itself. I don't, you know, um, cause it's hard and it's scary. Like those, it's a huge church and those people have money. And like, I don't like, and, and that's not to say that they're like these awful people, but they definitely had not handled the situation. Like the lead pastor took a sabbatical, you know, And after this whole thing, instead of like helping him and supporting, like he needed more help and support than what they gave him too. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to say that the lead pastor was like this awful person either. He, I mean, for him to commit suicide, he was obviously dealing with his own demons already. So on top of everything else that was probably going on behind the scenes, you know, so it's hard and it's, it's tough to like wrap my mind around it. And so Aaron was fired on the spot and, um, he spiraled after that, after he found out that um, the lead pastor had attempted suicide. And then when he found out that he actually died, um, passed away, whatever. Um, I don't mean to be so disrespectful towards him, but no. I'm just, I'm still angry. Because, you know, it's, it's just, it's something that a family shouldn't go through, you know, like, like my whole life was ripped apart because they made choices, you know, they're just... You know, they don't, they didn't think about the people. They didn't, they didn't see people as people. They saw it's the staff, the church, the business, the organization, you know, and it's like, no, the lead pastor was a person who was struggling. Aaron was somebody who was trying to make it better. You know, he was trying to fix things. At least Aaron had the balls to come up and like say what he did. You know, the lead pastor hadn't, I don't know if he had plans to. Um, I don't even know what really happened to be honest, but like, they gave him a slap on the hand and let him go home for a little bit. Like that's, that's my perspective of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's just like for Aaron to get fired and for the lead pastor to have been given a sabbatical, like, that's just not okay. Like we lost our home, you know, like it was just, it was, it was tough. And so Aaron spiraled, this is, this is 2018. So the lead pastor had had done this August, 2018. Mm -hmm. And so 
um, Aaron spiraled after that and he just like lost himself. He went into a really deep depression. I'm still working <clears throat> and we're, we're still trying to work things out, but he's just, he's gone. Like he's absent at this point, you know? And there were times, there was a time where um, he, he did like kind of like say, I don't want to be here anymore. And I had his friends like come in like right away, you know, he needs to be with people. Like I don't mm-hmm. trust him by himself right now. And um, we got out of that. There was still so much more in between. Um, I found out that they were still kind of seeing each other. There was a period where I completely kicked him out again. And I was not talking to him for almost a couple months. Like the only communication we had was through my sister-in-law and at the police department meeting to exchange the kids. Um, I had asked for a divorce I had asked him to file and he did. And um, then January, 2019, we didn't talk from middle of December to like end of January. I was just, it was just no contact aside from what I needed for, you know, to exchange with the kids and stuff. And um, so late January, he showed up at the house late at night and was crying and it was just like, I, I can't be without you and the kids. I'm so sorry. And I, I, I think he meant it. I know that there was a part of him that meant it, you know, but he just struggled so much. And he's like, I just don't trust myself alone right now. I still care about this person. I let him up and we talked and he's like, I really, I want to work on things and I want to do this. I want to do that. And, you know, I was like, well, if you're serious, you know, there's a couple, he had been going to counseling. He had been going to church again and he was trying to do better. And so we had signed up for um, this recovery program. It's called a fair recovery, um, a really great program. And we did the, the boot camp for that. And, you know, after that we had, we didn't like lose our home per se, but because we struggled so much after he lost his job to pay the rent, you know, our landlord, she loved me and she saw my struggle and we were really good friends. And she just, she was just like, I'm not evicting you guys, but I would rather you guys not renew your lease, you know? So pretty much we had to find a new place and we almost, I, I wanted to move out of the state just to get away from everything and start over, you know? um, Yeah. So we ended up moving about an hour away from where we were to start over. We found a house and things were good. We were in counseling. We were in recovery. Um, I mean, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't, it wasn't like perfect. Like I'm I'm not saying that everything was like shiny and bright (laughs) because it wasn't, you know, going through recovery. It was, we were moving forward definitely. And um, so we were trying. And then so Fast forward to, you know, summer 2018, 2019, um, you know, we're getting settled into our new place and things are hard. And um, he was working in construction at this point and he had a job in LA and which was about drive time was about two and a half hours for him back and forth. And it was hard for him, but this was the job that he was like really looking forward to. And we, we had taken in his brother at the time who was an addict as well. And so we're trying to help him get on his feet. He was trying to get clean and he ended up just relapsing again. And because he relapsed, he was working with his brother too. He gave his brother a job. 
they ended up losing that job that they were working on. And, um, you know, Aaron was just, he came home that day. It was just like, I don't want to do counseling. I don't want to, like, he couldn't handle heavy stuff. It seemed like. So he got home, was just threatening to not go to counseling or do anything like that. And I was like, well, you know what that means. Like, you can't sit here. Like, Good for you. And he was just like, that set him off. It completely triggered him. He's like, you're going to threaten, you know, where I'm at. And um, thankfully, the kids, we had found a new church where we were. And the kids were in a summer program at the time when we started fighting. And it turned into a really big fight. I ended up like socking him in the face because he, he threatened to, he started packing his bags and was just like, I don't give a shit. You can tell the kids whatever you want. And um, I was like, no, you don't get to do that. And I, I like the whole conversation was just like, he was just being very like ugly and just, you know, throwing her in my face and all mm. this stuff and saying she wasn't the only one. And like, you know, I didn't, I didn't know about it until TikTok. Actually, I heard about reactive abuse and that's definitely what happened. You know, he's saying all these ugly things, threatening all these ugly things, packing his bags, telling me that I need to deal with the kids. And I just, I snapped and I just, I stalked him. And then, <laughs> um, yeah, I was just like, ah. and he, he got up and he got in my face, was screaming and yelling at me, like cursing, calling me a bitch and all this stuff. And, um, I don't mean to get so like heavy into it. I haven't talked no. about this either. Um, no. it's not even on my that's blog. What this, that's what this <laughs> space is for. Yeah. And so he ended up attacking me back and he didn't just attack me. He like literally like attacked me and chased me all throughout the house and just threw me up against the washer. I got scared. I ended up calling 911 and me, like, I'm a very like honest person. Like I'm very like, Oh my gosh, like I did wrong, you know, and I called and I admitted I hit him first and he had marks on his face. I did. I didn't have anything visible. So when they came, I got arrested. Wow. Yeah. And I was just like, the cherry on top of this. And he was, he was totally milking it, totally like denied everything. And, um, so it was, it was hard because I was just like, wow, like after everything, I had fought for and done for this person, you know, he just threw me under the bus, you know? And, um, so I got arrested. That was my first time ever like being in jail, like, you know, so I, I was just like, I couldn't believe that that was my life at that point. Like, how did this happen? How did I get here? You know? And, um, I go to make my phone call and he's like, you know, I'll, both of us are kind of like, we don't want anything to do with each other at this point. Like, we're right, just, right, right. And I'm like, leave me in here, you know? And right. Like, <laughs> and, I don't want anything um, to do. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, a couple of days passed by and I, I called again and he was very like, I'm so sorry. You don't deserve to be there. And I'm like, well, no shit. Like, <laughs> what the heck? And so, um, it ended up being a really good thing because um, he, you know, in the moment, he obviously was like just flooded and just irrational, you know, just seeing me right. as this like enemy, you know, and then right. a couple days pass and he's like, oh, shit, like, what did I do to her? And so he ended up bailing me out that Monday. I had court 
And I, I had him like tell them like what really happened. And we ended up just dropping charges altogether. And I also had it recorded because at that point, like we had filed for divorce and um, we were still, we hadn't like completely filed yet, but it was, it was right there. And so I was documenting everything at that point. So as soon as he started like flooding, I, I, I mean, I think it's illegal to (laughs) record somebody, but I needed, I needed to document it. You know, as soon as he started flooding, I hit the record button on my phone. And so I had the whole thing reported and he didn't know at the time, but he was willing to just, you know, be open and, and he, so we ended up dropping charges completely. And after that, um, something changed in him. That was June, 2019. And something just changed. Like he was very soft and very empathetic and you could tell like he felt really guilty and um as he should have yeah and it was just like one of those things like why did it take so much for you to like snap you know and he was he was trying I he I mean he was already working hard you know but like he was very up and down still um and uh after that happened and I, I was home, like he was just like busting his butt, like really working hard, going to counseling on his own, like doing more counseling sessions mm-hmm. and just kind of like really trying, really working mm-hmm. on himself, you know, trying to get more involved in the church. And I'm still very iffy about church because I was just like, Bleh. I mean, I loved my new church, like the people you can definitely tell when you walk into a place, how the people are. And at this bigger church, like leadership was very much like, we didn't really care about leadership. He and I, we were just more like for the people, like our, our people, right. you know? Right. Um, and I hate to say that, but it's the truth, but leadership kind of like took us under their wing at this new church very quickly and very much like how it should have been at the other church, you know? And um, so but I was still very like skeptical and I still am like, I still meet new people and I'm very like, I don't know if I want to get to know you, you know? Right. Um, But yeah, so he was working really, really hard and we were doing good. Like there was finally like a lot of light at the end of the tunnel, you know? And um, fast forward to August. It's really hard because it's, it was just kind of like, it was kind of like nobody saw it coming. Nobody, nobody knew that he was in that deep of a depression. I knew he was dealing with some of it. I mean, obviously both of us were. Um, and that, that Monday, that week, actually he had gone to go visit our old church and he was very much like, we were both very much the type of like (laughs) Jesus freaks. I mean, where we would go up to people and just like encourage them and just be like, Hey, like, is there anything that I can pray for you for? And like, we would like, you know, lay hands on people and just pray for them. Just like love on them. Like that was like our favorite thing to do ever. Like just, even if they didn't want prayer, if they didn't want anything to do with Jesus, we're just like, okay, well, I love you, man. Can I just hug you? Like we were just those kinds of people, you know? And so he went to go visit the church, you know, and he just, he wanted to apologize to everybody. He was in that good of a space. Mm-hmm. And and now looking back on it, um, I, I'm very confused because I'm like, was that like him, you know, saying goodbye? Saying like, goodbye, did he? Right. And like he, so he went to go visit, and he actually he prayed over the whole downstairs of the church, and he went into 
lead pastor's office and just prayed. And he said, he's like, and I just apologize for any part that I had in that. And I was like, you don't, you don't carry any of that. Like that's, he, he felt very at fault, um, you know, but, um, and so, uh, two days before the anniversary of the lead pastor's, um, passing was when he did it. So the day before, actually that Monday he had gone and, and prayed over the church and over lead pastor's old office. And we've had a really good week. Um, we, the day before, we'd had like our best counseling session yet. We went to church. Um, we were making dinner plans with our friends for the next day. And like, it was just good. It was good. And then that Sunday of that week was like the first time <clears throat> that we had said, like genuinely said, I love you to each other again for the first time in like maybe almost two years. So it was like... That is hard. It was because, like, it was a very sweet moment, you know. And um, so we'd had a really good counseling session that Wednesday, and we'd gone to church, and it was just just good. Making plans with our friends, making plans with our friends, and just it was good. And the next morning was really sweet. He woke up for work and he's getting dressed and he like grabbed my hands. He was just, he was, when he was in a good space, he was such a good person, such a good person, you know? And he grabbed my hands and was like, I'm going to do my very best to love you the way that you deserve to be loved today, you know? And it was a, it was a really sweet moment for us. And he left for work and something just triggered him. He all of a sudden, you know, called me and was really stressed about money, um, really stressed about our finances, really stressed about rent. Rent was coming up. And just like, he was just angry. Like something had just like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know what triggered him. Um, he had, we just bought a car a few months back and it was his, his work car. And a couple weeks before that, he'd gotten a rock to the windshield. And so it cracked the windshield. And he kept bringing that up that he wanted to get it fixed. And I was like, but rent is coming up. Like, can we do it after? And he was just like blowing up, just ugly, you know? And I'm like, what happened to this morning? (laughs) You know? And so me in the situation that I was in, like, I'm trying to handle what he's throwing at me. And I'm in a place where I'm not doing this again. Like what this, this, what happened? Like, is she back in the picture? Like, did she, you know, and I'm, I'm trying my best to be supportive for him. And I'm just like, you know, I, I called him at some point in the afternoon and I'm like, look, it's been a really hard day. Like, can I just pray for you? And so, um, I did, he let me pray for him and we prayed together and then we got off the phone and, you know, in that, in that, and this is my word, you know, you wish you would have met your brother probably. This is my, I wish I wouldn't have said this. Um, but like I texted him just needing reassurance. Like, is there anything that I need to know? You know, that's, I texted him that. And then right after he texted me, no, just always an adulterer and a liar. And I was just, I was just kind of like, I'm not dealing with that right now. Same thing. Like, I just, I can't, I'm not, I don't have the space for that right now. And so I took a time out and I just kind of left it. 
And then a half hour later, um, I texted him again. Um, and I've, I've gone over these text messages so many times, like, you know, and it's just, you do, you go through what could I have done differently? And I didn't go through that for very long. I don't feel guilty. Cause I know that I did every, I fought like hell for him, like hell for my marriage, you know? Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I just needed reassurance. And I, I went back and forth feeling guilty for that, but I, I couldn't help it. Like he was very much behaving like how he did when she was back in the picture, you know? And so I texted him again, like, what time are you going to be home or something like that? And then he didn't respond. And then I texted him again, like, I thought you were going to be home or going to start coming home, like within the hour. Why is it taking so long and nothing? And we were at a point in our recovery where we didn't do that to each other. Like we always like let each other know what was going on. He couldn't text me back. He'd let me know why, or I called and he didn't answer. He let me know why I called no answer. Um, And then I called again, no answer. And it's, it's so weird. Us as human beings, we're so connected. Like you just, you you feel it like when, Mm -hmm. and I was just like, Oh my God, like, why are you not answering? And I started panicking and I texted him. I was like, if you don't answer me, I'm going to call the police. and I'm going to start heading that way. And I'm in the high desert and he's on the coast. So we're, it's traffic hour. I'm about three hours away from him, you know? And so he didn't answer me. I called the police where he was working. I tried to give them a location that I had on my phone for him. And, um, you know, so they started looking for him. I just started, I put the kids in the car. I just started heading that way. I called my sister-in-law and because she was about an hour closer to him and I was just like hey like his phone can you just start heading that way and you know like he's just not this type of person so she was like oh he probably just lost his phone or doesn't have it on him or you know it was kind of like she didn't she didn't think that that was the case and so I just I was frustrated I was just like you know what okay then fine and I just like hung up the phone and thankfully, like everything just happened so perfectly as far as like my friends, like I called my friend, I was like, Hey, can I drop the kids off with you? And my other friends who happened to just be getting off work at the same time and was heading in that same direction. And she's like, I'll meet you there. I'll drop off the kids and then I'll drive with you to go, you know? And I'm so, so glad you had somebody. Yeah. And it, it, it was so perfect the way that it happened because it, had I done that by myself, I don't know if I would have been able to, um, so we're driving and we finally get there and I'm, I'm calling the police like constantly at this, at this time. And, you know, while I was on the way there and they're not giving me any information and I'm just like, you know, like, I'm just like, you know, that that's bad news. And so I'm just like, so they're telling you that they know things and that they're there. They're just not giving you information. Yeah, They're just telling me I'm on the scene. We can't, we can't tell you what's going on. And, um, so I get there and there's just cop cars everywhere. And, uh, I just knew, and it was like, I was very somber and I just remember getting off and it's all a blur. Like, I don't remember who told me how it happened or what. I just remember hearing the news and just falling to my knees. Just like, can I go see him? Can I go in there? Can I? And they wouldn't let me. And I had to wait for them to get him on the gurney and bring him out, you know, and, and that was the most horrible feeling ever because you just, you still like, you still like feel like there's something that you can do. And that was just, you know, there was the point where they literally had to like 
just stand there and like make sure that I wasn't going in because I was just so like I was panicked and I you know they finally told me that they brought him out and um it was just hard he let me have my time with him and it was hard um it was really really hard he uh I don't know if it's okay for me to share. You can share whatever you want. I think one of the hardest things about it was, you know, I I just was holding him. He was so warm. And I was just like, gosh, you know, just I wish I would have been here sooner. (laughs) And I, I kind of, it's, it's, it's a very big trigger for me now. I kissed his forehead, and now anytime I I kiss my kid's forehead or like anybody on the forehead, it's like it takes me right back, you know. And it was just it was hard. And I remember I'm in I'm in a really hard place with God still, um, and and then, and I remember you're you're in this erratic, you know, mindset. And you're just, like, I just was holding him and I was like, God, if you're real, like I'm praying right now, bring him back to life. Cause we had belief for that. Like we, we were those types of believers, you know? And I was just like, I was just praying like breathe life back in him. And I was just, I remember just like wanting so badly for that to happen, you know? And it just, it didn't. And it just kind of like reality set in, you know? And I just remember falling to the floor and just kind of like, and then they came and they were like, okay, like, time is up. And then they gave me his stuff and, and it was, that was it. Like, it was like, my friend drove back. I, I had met some other friends that had come up to give them his car key so that they could drive his car back to the house and, it was just hard. Like, I remember just being in such denial, just such denial. I mean, like, no way, there's no way that I fought so hard. And it's just done, you know? I still have those moments, you know? Like, I've been through so much. Like, that happened. And I'm, I was very much like you. Like, I was in therapy, um, but I had kind of stopped going after that happened because you go into like a survival mode and you're just kind of like doing, you know, Yes. yes. and um, I had like, I had just registered for school right before it happened school full time. And then, um, so I started school and I started working full time. I found out I'd, I got really lucky. I found a job that gave me the pay that I asked for. And then I was making commission on top of it. And things were going well. I mean, I was still, I was, I was fairly healthy. I felt like still, because I had done so much work on myself before, but I was, I was, um, I had just started seeing a new counselor. And um, so it was like in the beginning stages of counseling again, you know, Um, because my old counselor, it hit him hard. Um, I saw him once after everything happened and he was just like, I just had no idea. And he, you, you could see it in his eyes. Like it just, it, he was pained, you know, he had a hard time with it. And so I was just like, I just, I need to go somewhere else. Mm, <laughs> you know? yeah. So I just started seeing a new counselor and um, then 
COVID happened. You know, we started hearing on the news about COVID-19 and I was a newer, you know, employee. So I got laid off. I was one of the first people to get laid off me and then three other people in my office. And then um, they were laying off people left and right. <clears throat> it was just supposed to be temporary and it ended up being permanent. And that was hard. Like I was just like, I just went through something incredibly traumatic and now I'm being isolated. And I, you know, when you're working and you're doing all these things, like you feel pretty strong you're like, hell yeah, like I'm going to be okay. You know? And then this happens and you're like, Oh shit, <laughs> what's going to happen. And um, so it's just, it was a rough summer. I mean, I think, uh, yes, I'm going to, I want to back up for a minute. Cause I have a question for you. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, would how do you feel about sharing the moment you had to tell your kids? So that was that was a tough one. Um, I think I'd mentioned, you know, like I had, <clears throat> I had asked my counselor and asked their counselor, like how how do I go about this? I, I don't mm. I don't know how to do this, you know, like and um, we had decided like it wasn't the right time to tell them how it happened just that it happened you know and it was it was really hard because we we were believers and like the the verbiage and stuff that is used um so when I initially told them I had said daddy went to go be with Jesus and um and they kind of like didn't get it at first and you know, it's my fault of how I chose toward it, you know. And then the next day, they were just like, Mommy, where's, where's Daddy? And, like, so I had to, like, right. you know, I, I had people with me when I told them, like, Daddy would be with Jesus. I had, you know, my circle of people. And, like, you know, and it was, it was, you know, the next day they were like, where's my okay. dad? When does he come back? Right. <laughs> Yeah, and so I had to have the conversation again, like by myself. Like, Daddy passed away; like, he died, and um, that's when it like hit them. And they, you know, Aaron and I, uh, we we used to go and we'd pray, like, and be with Jesus. So that's what they thought I meant. Like, so they thought he was like he went somewhere to go pray. And so when I, when I said he died, like that was, um, it was very hard. It was very hard to watch their faces. And I felt really bad because I, I didn't, I wasn't more clear, you know? Oh my God. And but so you they have had to, to understand there to is no manual twice. for this. There's no yeah. manual for this. Yeah. And I just felt like they had to process it t- twice because he had already left before. So when I told them, like he went to go be with Jesus and he wasn't coming back, like they thought, like they thought he had left again, you know? So like they had to process through that and then they had to process through this again, you know? And so I felt, I, I don't feel bad anymore, but at, I remember at the time, like I was like, dang it, like, why did you, why didn't you say it <laughs> the right. first time? But like you said, there is no manual. I didn't know, but it was hard. They, they struggled. And, um, you know, Jesse didn't really ask too many questions. They asked, you know, what happened. 
And uh, I just said, you know, he had an accident at work. And you know, my daughter kind of left it alone. And my son was like, well, what do you mean? And that's when he told you I had the conversation of whenever, whenever you're a little bit older and I feel like you can understand it, we'll have the conversation again. You know, and, uh, did you guys have a memorial service for him or a funeral? We did. Um, we Do you remember f- much from that? And I only say that because it's a blur for so many of us. Yeah. Except I, for like little things. <laughs> I don't. I just remember it, it was just kind of like just going through the process at this point. I remember it took me a long, it took us about, it took me about three weeks to actually start planning it. Cause I just, I was in such denial. It's so weird to see that. Cause you know that it happened, but you're just like, can't function like yeah, you and, can't wrap your head around it and it was just kind of like you know and so we finally started planning everything and it was it was just a blur and I remember the people that came and I just I remember being up on stage with his family uh, as everybody's you know talking about things and but other than that it wasn't like I don't there's nothing really that like stands out to me super clear mm. aside from yeah. um, one of the couples that we were in recovery with during, um, you know, right after the affair. Cause it's like you have group sessions with these couples right. that you don't meet. I mean, it's just over the phone, just phone conferences and they happen to be in California and they showed up. And so I got to meet them for the first time face to face. And wow. like, it was a beautiful thing. Like, um, they're doing really well now, which makes me really, really happy. Um, the other couple is doing really well too, but that's pretty much the only thing that like, I can really remember that was like significant. I love that, that you had that moment of light though. I think yeah. we all, it's a, it's such a funerals and memorial services are pretty much just like weddings. They're for everybody else. They're not really for us. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm yeah. learning. Yes. And in all honesty, it was really hard. Like, don't get me wrong. I really loved having people around me and having, but I definitely felt like I couldn't grieve. And that's probably why it took me so long too, because I just had people in and out constantly. And, but I, I couldn't, I'm not, I don't cry that much in front of people. Like I can't like break down, like I'll cry. Like obviously like, I am right now, but I felt like I couldn't just not be okay like and I've just always been that way always and so like people would come and they would leave and then I'd have my breakdowns and I'd go through stuff in the garage or you know do my thing but and then with the kids same thing like I couldn't couldn't just grieve and so definitely I mean it's it was a beautiful service and I, I remember like just him being honored but I, I remember the frustration of planning it all more than anything like just like just, let's just honor him. Like it doesn't like it doesn't the details. Matter, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of like, you know, um, but we got through it and we're still getting through it. And, you know, especially after COVID and everything. And it's just, it's been hard, but we're, yeah. we're making it. You've it's had been, to grieve in a space that is very unprecedented. Yeah. And I, I'm sure, and I'm, t- and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure there was, uh, there was a lot of bittersweetness to that. To, 
moving or no to to grieving in quarantine like to having this empty space of being able to sit with things but also having an empty space to have to sit with things like you know for me it was actually the opposite like I felt like I was just so go 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 it was the first time that I actually like had to deal with it by myself so I am kind of glad but like man like I it was like that last like blow that like took me down you know I you know I obviously I had a really hard time when he passed but like like I said you just you go into this like survival mode and you're just like I just gotta get things going I'm a mom I can't can't I don't have time to not be okay you know and then COVID hits and you're forced to be isolated and I just, I broke down completely. Um, It's really hard. It's really, really hard. And then I decided to move and that's where we're at now. So, I mean, yeah, I guess now, right now is that bittersweetness. Cause then I was just like, I can't do this. I need to be around people. I need to be doing something and having a hard time. And now I'm glad that I had that time to just really break down and just not be okay. I was eating, stress eating. I was sleeping most of the time. I had, I had started a job at Amazon. I think that's, that's another part of like why I broke down, but I was working overnights and then taking care of my kids during the day. So I was barely sleeping and it was just, it was tough. And I was just having to deal with all this stuff that I probably should have dealt with already, you know? And so and, and then, you know, you're not doing counseling because you're, I never heard from my counselor again. So I'm like, I'm praying that she was okay. <laughs> um, she was older um, and I never, so I wasn't, I wasn't in counseling during this time. I wasn't doing anything. Uh, I didn't start counseling until I moved here again. And so it's been a journey. It's been tough. It's been, you know. I feel like right now is when I'm really unpacking everything and really like going through all the trauma that I've actually been through. And it's it's crazy. Like you, you sit back sometimes and you're like, wow, like I went through a hell of a lot, you know, and it's really hard still. Like the church is still thriving. Um, The pastor's wife has gone on to write a book and she's, well-known speaker now she talks about suicide survival and um but my kids and I were just kind of brushed under the rug nobody ever acknowledged him or us or anything that happened and so we're just kind of like it is what it is I've thought about you know legally doing something but I at this point I'm just not not in a place to, you know, I have no idea where I would even start. Um, but it's hard. It's hard to watch all of that. It's hard for people to still hold the lead pastor on this pedestal. And, you know, um, but then I have to ground myself and remember they're all still people too. You know, they're just trying to navigate. Yeah. Nothing, absolutely nothing against his wife. She's navigating it the best to the best of her ability. You know, um, so it's just, it's kind of hard. I feel like we were kind of left in the wayside and I'm having to. Do I don't everything. think you even need to say, feel like you were, 
Yeah. Yeah. You were. So, yeah, it's just been a number of things. And now I'm just, I'm in therapy. I'm going once, once every couple weeks and it's good. Um, I'm so much better than when I first got here, I was pretty broken. I was still pretty broken from the summer <laughs> and mm-hmm. I had a hard time and, you know, I'm doing so much better just from, from now on and two months ago, like I'm a completely different person, different version of myself. I'm still not okay. And like you said, I don't think we'll ever be okay, but I'm definitely moving forward at this point. And I eventually, I want to use my story. Like you're completely goals. Like I would love to have a podcast. I would love to have, you know, what you have, like you're using your story and you're doing these things like just encourage and motivate people. Like for me, it's very encouraging and motivating because I'm just like, I could use my story in such a good way. Like I, I listen to your podcast and I'm just like, these people are just so refreshed after talking to you and during, like, it's just, it's such a healing process. And I want to do that for people, you know? And, um, I, I would love to be in a place one day where I can 100% go for that. And so that's the goal. Steps. You need to be nice to yourself. Uh, you're yes, still, a, you're still sure. in the fog. <laughs> and I feel like, um, we want to get through it so badly because we think oh, this part hurts. This part's painful. I don't like it. <laughs> which it yeah. is. But now looking back, I'm like, I had, I, I don't know if you ever went to suicide survivor groups, but um, mm-hmm. I went to survivor groups in the beginning, which uh, were very, uh, they were really therapeutic in the beginning because it's all uh-huh. very fresh. So it's like a group discussion. They're usually at like crisis clinics and things like that. Yeah. They're very anonymous. And um, so when you go in, you go around the circle and you say how you're connected, like who you lost, because these are survivors of loss. And I remember for me going the first, that's why I didn't do therapy the first few years. I just did these. And I remember thinking, um, I loved it because I would, but it was also like, peeling a scab off every time it was like I would do all this healing and then I'd go to this group and I'd hear you know this woman whose you know son jumped off a bridge two days before so she was still in that panic she was still in that I can't I can't function and I but there was something really healing about me going through that every time for a while and processing it not being afraid to talk about it not being able to not being afraid to say certain words that so much of our society doesn't want to talk about. Um, And, you know, I say the word jumped on purpose. I want to say that word because I don't want that word to hold anything for me. Um, And so I I realized after about two years, uh, my partner Ryan was like, I would come home just distraught every time. And he would look at me and go, okay, is this still helping you? I understand in the beginning that immersion in therapy, but is this helping still? And I had to step away from it. But I remember seeing a woman two years into my grief who was seven years into her grief. And she she shared the loss of her brother. She was so controlled. She had tears. She was still emotional, but it was so controlled. And I remember looking at her thinking, I want that someday. Yeah. I want this level of control with my grief. And I tell people like what you're experiencing right now is something that you need to experience, 
because you're going to be able to touch the bottom of the pool soon. Like right. right now it's like, you know, when you get into like the, the shallow water, you're like, Oh, this is cute. And then you start going deeper and you just, you're, you you're panic. Like chin deep right now. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, and then water will get in. And when water gets in, we panic and we yeah. start to, that, that level of crying I remember. And it's very, um, I call it lava tears. It's very visceral and it makes you feel like it's never going to stop and it's never going to oh, feel yeah. less painful. Um, but it does. Yeah. And is it, am I less sad about my brother? Am I, is it, does it hurt less? No, you're, you it just are gets easier to manage. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Easier to manage for sure. And I feel like definitely like it, <laughs> And I do, I think that's one of the biggest things that I've had to learn for myself throughout like the entire process, like, you know, going through the affair, going through the betrayal of the church. I, I say betrayal because that's very much how it feels. And, you know, going through his side, like I, I've just had to learn, like I, I have to sit back sometimes and like, I went through this, like I have to be very careful and very gentle with myself and Right now, um, you know, we're going through this timeline and my counselor, my therapist is very much like, you know, we started doing this thing called parts. And so she'll like have me like meditate and get into this space where I'm sitting at a table with all of my different emotions and I'll pay specific attention to the emotion that's the most prevalent at the time. And that's hard, like, cause I have to in my mind like I have to treat this like it's a person mm. and it's me and like I have to like give it the attention that it needs and um so that's really hard and that that messes me up like on, in our sessions right now and so like I'm very much in that like this is a heavy season right now um but it's good at the same time like I'll go through like the lava tears or the lava crying and then I have a good day and then I'll go through it again and have a good day. And I'm just, I'm at the point where I've just accepted, like, this is just how it's going to be for a while. It's a process and it's not easy. It's not pretty. Um, but I do, I feel stronger every day. And like, when you reached out to me about it, I was, you know, initially I was kind of like, Oh, I don't know if I'm ready. Cause I am working through so much in therapy right now, but I talked to her about it you know, uh, and she was just like, I think you're ready. You know, I think you're ready for that kind of stuff. Mm. <laughs> I love that. I'm almost finished, honey. Okay. Give me just a second. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the best part of the podcast is hearing your right? kids. Because, you know, at the end of the day, Audrey, you have, I just want you to know, I mean, I knew you were a warrior in the beginning of this, but hearing your story I'm just, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful Thank that you shared. I'm so grateful that you look, listen to those kids. They're thriving. They're they okay. really are. They're okay. And they're gonna, their kids are resilient and uh, they are very lucky to have such a powerful mom. And um, you should be really proud of yourself. You should be really proud. I have my moments where I'm like, I'm doing a damn good job. And I know it, you know, like, obviously you have your moments too, where you're just like, Oh, I kind of messed up right there a little bit. But for the most part, I think that's been one of the most empowering things throughout this whole journey is I'm doing the best that I can. And I'm 
not even just with what's happened to me as far as like my marriage, but just how I grew up and like everything, like I'm damn proud. <laughs> I really am. And I don't yeah. think, I, I think you're even not selling yourself all the way saying I'm doing the best I can. You're doing amazing. Thank you. Like take these as wins, give yourself some time and um, know that you did a big thing today. I tell everybody after your session, because your session will still continue with photos. We will get your photo at some point (laughs) when uh, the panorama is over. Right. (laughs) I don't know if you're the same way, but when you're a photographer, it's like weird being behind you know, you're usually behind a camera. It's oh, yeah. <laughs> when I've taken photos, I have several faces that are that are photographers. And those are the ones that make me the most nervous easily. <laughs> <laughs> so but that will happen. And I do feel like I tell everybody at the end of the sessions, this is longer than a therapy session. It's different. Yeah, you did really a really big thing today. You should be really proud of yourself. You you. should do something nice for yourself, like ice cream or like takeout or something you should give yourself um, because we need to celebrate when we do hard things. We don't do it. We think this is part of the fucking journey because I'm on this damn hard road. No, take a minute um, and celebrate yourself because you are a fucking warrior. Thank you. So are you. So are you. Like, honestly, like, I'm, yes, for sure. I'm honestly so inspired by you. Like, I, I, you know, I, I started listening to some of your, your TEDx talk and it was kind of the same thing. Like, I was just like, oh, like it just, it started hitting me really hard. Just hearing like your voice and like, you know, but hearing your story today, like, I'm just like, hell yeah. Like that's where I want to be at some point, you know, <laughs> like and it's you're definitely, so on your way. thank you. Thank you. It's, it's, it's so refreshing and so revitalizing whenever you can come across people who just are on the same path and on the same level. Like I love, I think one of my favorite things about when I first started going to your lives was just the language that you use, like faith and boundaries. And it's so hard to find people who are in that space too. Like, it doesn't matter. Like I, I'm a Christian, you know, you, you're a different Not, person. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, but you can connect with people on a level that has nothing to do with any of that whenever you're just working on the same things. And it's just like, I think that's, one of the most important things for me on this journey too is just in learning who I am now like I'm just I'm just me and I'm just so like I just love people and that was what literally one of like I said I think that was the first time that I'd heard somebody say like I think I'm supposed to help you and I genuinely believed it like you know just in feeling safe when people are using the same language and the same Mm -hmm. verbiage is like you're so like you want to hear so badly. Um, it's hard. It's really hard to find people like that. So thank you. Um, of course. And I think, I think my, uh, my daughter sent me, and I think this is a perfect, when you're like, I, I don't know what it is about the language. Um, people I I've made friends in the suicide community that are absolutely opposite from me. Yeah. Um, that I would not be friends with in real life, or maybe we would not have connected. I feel like <laughs> you and I would be anyways, cause we have a lot of similarities, but, yeah. um, you know, I think, um, what I noticed and my daughter sent me a TikTok cause she, that's how we communicate. Sometimes <laughs> she sent me a TikTok the other day about, um, why we connect to people that feel magnetic to us sometimes. And it was, it touched my heart that she sent Aww. it to me. Cause she was like, 
this is how you connect to people so well. And the video said, and I'll have to send it to you, um, our, our heart is open and we connect to people with an open heart without yeah. any judgment and without yeah. any need for, need for them to be anything for us. Just absolutely. And I feel like you do the same thing when you come into lives or when I talk to you online, um, you have that open space for people. And I think if all of us just opened our hearts a little bit more when we connected Absolutely. to somebody. The world would it. just be better. Like right. it would just be like, there wouldn't be so much. And, and it's such a funny word to say, but segregation, like there's just so much division between people right now. And I'm just like, it doesn't need to be that way. It really right. doesn't, you know, right. and it's just such a beautiful thing when it's not, you know, cause I adore you for who you are. And mm. then I hope you adore me for who I Same. am. And like, you know, it's just, I feel very connected with you and I adore you so much. <laughs> well, this is the beginning of a long road for you, but now, you know, you have uh, people in, in your, in your side of the court. So thank you. we're here and thank you again for being so brave. I will put all of your links to your photography and your blog and everything in, in the episode. And um, yeah. And I can always <laughs> be that person that you want to text. If you are afraid to talk about something, you know, me zero filter. So <laughs> thank you. I'm and always same. here. Oh, I love it so much. Thank you again. <laughs> thank for you being so much. Here. Oh yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this episode and all the episodes. We hope you'll join our quickly growing online community where there is always someone to hold a space for you if you feel alone. If you have an idea for an upcoming guest or topic, please don't hesitate to reach out. All social media links and contact information can be found at my website, MaryAngelaAbeo.com. And until next time, take care of yourselves and those around you. And by that, I mean, wash your fucking hands, wear a damn mask, defund the police, pay the fee, basically continue fighting for the rights of indigenous and black lives everywhere, including and especially black trans lives, and do your part to abolish all forms of systemic racism. I'll see you next time.